the name of Jesus. Last time that I preached, I shared a message dealing with being doers of the word, not hearers alone. Being a people who can hear what God is saying. Not just the people that hear messages that are preached. Not just the people who attend church. Not just the people who read their Bibles. Not just the people who know what the scriptures say. Not just the people who memorize scriptures. But a people who hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. People with ears to hear. There's a different type of people. And Jesus, in this particular portion of Scripture, he ends again, or, you know, he pauses, should I say, in the middle of what he's speaking, and he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Because not everybody has ears to hear. It's sad to say that not everybody in here has ears to hear. There are some people that will fall asleep in the middle of the messages that are preached. There are some people who will, you know, who, who will listen to what is said and they will assent. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's truth. But we'll walk out of here and we'll do nothing about it. And then there are others who will hear what God is saying and will say, I need to turn from my ways and follow his. I need to go and do what he's declaring that I should be doing. There's those type of people. And I pray that we as a church would be those type of people, the type of people that hear God's message and that run with it, the type of people that sit down, like I said um, the last time that I shared, I said there's you know, two types of folks in the church. I said there are the ones that they can sit down and they can take notes. They sit and they can do that. They flow that way. They operate that way. They don't lose anything in the message. They get the most out of the message that way. That's some type of folks. And then there's other type of folk, and those are the ones that need to get a good night's sleep. And I hope that you weren't the one watching the fight if you needed the good night's sleep. Amen, somebody. Because you may have some trouble. And so I encourage you, if you are one of those, you know, just stand up like like you're going to the bathroom, you can just stand in the back and that way you don't fall asleep. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But here is the, the reality is Jesus is speaking here and he's communicating some things and he talks about and what I want to share is specifically in verse 12. That's what I want to deal with today. I don't want to deal with a whole bunch of different scriptures. I want to deal with just verse 12 because he says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. I remember the first time that I was invited to preach somewhere outside of the church that I was at. This was the message or, or this was the scripture that I preached. This is the scripture that the Lord began to put in my heart. And the title of that message was Walking in the Power of the Spirit. That is not the title of the message today. The title of the message this morning is entitled Seizing the Kingdom. Seizing the Kingdom. Because Jesus is communicating some stuff. And the, and the reason why the kingdom becomes so important is because Christian living doesn't really begin until we begin to understand the kingdom principles that lead us into living according to kingdom standards. Being a Christian doesn't really start. You really don't start living as a Christian until you really grasp the reality that you as the church, that we as part of the body of Christ are part of the eternal kingdom that is to come and that is being established in our hearts here and now, right now in Jesus' name. We are part of that eternal kingdom that is, that, that is you know, I'll, I'll use the word cosmic, not to sound all, you know, spiritual, but, you know, we are part of that eternal kingdom. And we don't start living as Christians until we grasp the fact that we are not of this world. We are simply passing by. We are pilgrims. We belong to another place. And the beauty of this is, is that God gives us the opportunity to do what? To bring his kingdom into the earth right here here to bring the power of his kingdom into this earth that is what John the Baptist began to preach that is what Jesus began to preach that is what the apostles preach when you look at the apostle Paul's writing who didn't walk with Jesus was in the desert for three years with the Holy Ghost getting revelation what does he do he begins to communicate regarding the kingdom because that is the power of God that wants to be manifested through us here and now 
And so we don't start, we, we, we don't start living this Christian life until we understand these kingdom principles. And kingdom principles, church, doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to bring in all the riches from heaven and that means you're living kingdom life. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That is not the truth. That is not the truth. The truth is that there is going to be life-changing power that manifests through you. Life-changing power that is moving in you. Life-changing power that is manifesting in your home, in your life, in your neighborhood. Because what? Because you are a child of God who has a kingdom mindset. Amen? When John the Baptist began to preach, he started to preach an awesome message. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, there is something that is at hand. There is something that is vital. And right now, I'm letting you know you are walking in opposition to that power. You are walking in opposition to that authority. You are walking in opposition to that blessing. You are walking in the wrong direction. So you need to turn around so you can get in line with the kingdom and you can see the kingdom manifesting in your life. Amen, somebody. John the Baptist began to preach that message with boldness. And it's crucial for us to recognize this because in this, in this particular passage of Scripture, because I don't want to just, you know, just jump to verse 12. I want to share with you, you know, what was going on here is that John the Baptist had been incarcerated. He was in prison and he was, and he was there in prison. And remember, he's over here preaching that, you know, there is this judgment that is coming. There is this fire baptism that is coming. Y'all need to repent, you brood of vipers. He was a hardcore preacher. He made the hardest preacher of today look weak. Hello, somebody. This brother was serious. And you know what's amazing is that he wasn't, he looked, he didn't book the town hall center. He went out to the desert and said, if you want to hear this truth, come on. Oh, glory to God. You talk about an anointing, he didn't send out no flyers and say, come on over here to this meeting. Uh-uh. That brother went out to the wilderness, and he was a voice crying out in the wilderness, and the Spirit of God began to draw people unto him. And what happened? These people began to hear this message because, see, the thing is, John the Baptist's life, it marks a transition period. He is the last Old Testament prophet. His message, his ministry marks a change, and so he's a vital person. He's important. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says he is the, he is the greatest prophet. The greatest, because what? Because all the other prophets were seeing me in the spirit. He saw me in the flesh. He was able to say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was able to, he was, the, he was the one that God selected and deposited in the womb of Elizabeth and gave her, and that way she could bring forth this one that was going to prepare the way. The great, this, this great and wonderful prophet. But after he prophesies and he's speaking this powerful message, well, you know, you can only preach hard for so long. I'll let that sink in. You, 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 you can only be hardcore straight up for so long. One or two things is going to happen. Either you're going to stop being hardcore because you're tired of being rejected, or people are just not going to want to deal with you, and if it's possible, they're going to get you kicked out of wherever you're trying to preach. Hello. Or in his case, get you locked up. And so he's preaching hardcore, preaching against sin, not playing around. He gets locked up. He's in prison. And he's remembering these. I mean, these messages was burning inside of his spirit. And now he's incarcerated. He's looking at, man, I could die at any time now. These people could kill me. At any, and, and he's like, hold on a second. He said, let, 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 let me make sure, just, just before I die, <laughs> let, 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 let me make sure that you're the right one. Are we, are, 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 are we waiting for someone else to come? Are, are, we waiting on, are we waiting on another kind? That's what that word means. Another kind. Are we waiting on a different deliverer? Are we waiting on someone different? Because I preach this message, and now there's no judgment. You're healing people. I'm not being delivered from this prison cell. There's no judgment coming on the nation. You're pre you know, all of these things. Are, are we supposed to wait for someone else? See, this happens to us, church. When we get 
into situations. We find ourselves and we're waiting. Okay, well, I see God blessing this one. I see God doing this over here. I see this happening over there. I hear these things being preached from the pulpit, but wait a second. I'm not seeing this stuff happening. Am I missing something? And the beauty of it is that Jesus goes on ahead, and when, the, and, and when these, um, his, the disciples of John come to him, and they say, listen, you know, our master, he told us to come and find out if you're the one, or we're waiting for someone else. And he tells him, he says, listen, you go and tell John what you see. He's saying the lame are being healed. There's deliverance coming. See, what, 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 what he was communicating to them was the judgment we're talking about, this is the first part of this judgment. The first part of the judgment is I'm going to show you my power because you've been preaching, talking like you had power, but you did not have power. So what I'm doing is I am coming in here in the fullness of the power of the kingdom of God, and I'm doing what? I'm causing lame folk to rise up. I'm causing dead folk to rise. The deaf ears are being opened. People who are deaf, these things are happening. And so the first part of judgment is, listen, you're without excuse because the glory of God is manifesting. Goes back to John the Baptist. You don't hear another conversation with John the Baptist, so that must have satisfied him, and he understood he got the revelation. Hallelujah. But Jesus goes on, and when he walks away, he doesn't talk to just his disciples. He talks to the multitudes, and he communicates to the multitudes. And he says, man, who, you know, what did you go out there to see in the wilderness? Did you, go, did you go to see this reed that was shaken? Did you go to see this thing that was just, you know, flowing back and forth with the wind? No, that, that, that wasn't what you went to see. Did you go to see some kind of important, prominent person? No, because he was in, you know, he was wearing like this wool clothes. I mean, this guy had a leather belt, eating locusts out there. He was looking rough. Hello, somebody. Jesus is like, look, you know that, you know, you know he wasn't from no kingly place. Hello. This guy wasn't dressed like that. He was just out there preaching. He says, no, you went out there to see a prophet, the spirit of Elijah. And then Jesus communicates to them, and he says, listen, he said, but I want you to understand something. From the days of John the Baptist, from the days of John the Baptist, since John the Baptist came, now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The kingdom of heaven, there's people. And, and what, what Jesus was saying, he's saying, I want you to notice this. First of all, these people, these, these, these religious leaders of our day that, that are there, they are opposed to the message that I'm preaching. They're opposed to the message that John was preaching. They're offended by these things. They're persecuting you for wanting to. He's saying, he's saying it's suffering violence. But you know what? This is what happened, church, is that after 400 years of silence, after they had not heard a clear word from God, they had been hearing the trend or, or the interpretation by the spiritual elitists of their day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees arguing back and forth, creating more division within the community, trying to gain popularity, trying to gain the greatest crowds of people. Sounds a little bit like our churches today. But anyway, you know, the, the, the religious folk, not, not having any power to change anybody's life, not having any power to bring deliverance to people's life, not bringing any real change to folks' life, just wanting the crowds to follow them. He's saying, look, now the crowds are not following them. The crowds are following me. And you know what? They're upset about these things. But the people realized something, church. They had an awakening. Glory to God for awakening. They had an awakening. And the awakening was, we're missing something. We've heard these Pharisees tell us this. We've heard the scribes tell us this. We've heard the teachers of the law tell us this. We've heard them communicate all these things, but this guy in this, you know, wool or, or whatever, uh, you know, outfit he had on with this leather belt out there, his message began to stir something inside of us. And then his message began to stir something and began to wake something up. And then all of a sudden, Jesus begins to preach the same message in reality because the scripture says when Jesus began to preach, he began to do what? He preached repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Again, he's preaching the same message, but now the miraculous power is following him. So the first messenger began to strike a chord in the heart of the people. The second messenger began to confirm this is what we've been missing all of these years. This is what we've been missing for all of this time. 
The people were in need of something. And I communicate to you today that our earth is in need of something, church. Our earth is in need of an awakening from the spirit of the living God. On Friday night as we were in here, I want you to understand some things. See, sometimes we don't pay attention to stuff. We get so caught up in the, you know, in, in, in the media hype and all this. We don't pay attention to just the little details that are going on in there. And Brother Mike was going to say it, and I forgot to say it. But, you know, I want you to realize something. This Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. How many of y'all knew that? Raise your hand if you knew that this Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. Okay, so all of us now... Now we all know that. Praise the Lord, we got revelation from God. So you right there, you got some revelation from him. But the reality is that this National Day of Prayer has been established since the first president. How many of y'all knew that? Raise your hand if you knew that. This National Day of Prayer has been established since our first president signed it into office. And you want to know what happened just the other day? Just the other day, some, some activist judge decided National Day of Prayer is unconstitutional. Time out. First of all, first of all, judge, 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 just, um, have you looked around our nation lately? Have you seen the financial situation that we're in? Have you seen the turmoil that's going on? Why would you decide right now, right now of all times, to declare the National Day of Prayer is unconstitutional? A time that even a heathen, I don't mean to offend anybody. Even somebody who knows nothing about God will know, wait, we need something. We need luck. We need something. Are you hearing me, church? But this activist judge declares that the National Day of Prayer is unconstitutional because it's offensive. Since our foundation, every president, every president has signed it in. They have, they, there's document, go to the National Day of Prayer website, and you will see copies of every letter that was signed by every president. They have it online there, that you can see them declaring this. Why is this important? Because church, you need to understand that while we're over here, you know, not paying attention to stuff, look, the enemy is over there just messing all kind of stuff and really trying to eat away at what is holding this nation in place. I'm sorry to tell you, it is not any political party. Hello, church. Y'all got to get this right. Forget Democrat, Republican. What I, I don't care. I'm not any party. Hello, somebody. We can't be. Look, we got to be Christian before we're anything else. Did you hear what I said? Hallelujah. Glory to God. There you go. The party of Christ. Hallelujah. That's what I'm going to do from now on on the thing when it went when it, other party of Christ. Hallelujah. That, that's what's up. Glory. I like that, Mike. Some good revelation right there. It is not any man or woman or group of people's ideas that are holding this nation. You want to know what is holding this nation, church? It is the mercy. The mercy of God. As we pray for our nation, I hope that we are understanding, yo, we really need an awakening. This is not time to play, church. This is not time to just, you know, just try to live life. Look, life is passing folks by. And they don't even realize, we don't even realize church is just, you know, just walking around, I'm just chilling, you know, whatever's going to happen. Listen, I don't have that mentality. Because my Bible says that the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. My Bible says that I shouldn't be passive, I should be aggressive in the name of Jesus. 
My Bible says that I shouldn't sit back and twiddle my thumbs. I need to stand up and take my ground as a child of God, and I need to get the kingdom of God moving in this earth. And you know what? Every single person in this place has the same access, the same right, the same responsibility, the same power to move and, mani and, and manifest the kingdom of God if we would simply embrace what Jesus says. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Does anybody want the kingdom of God in this earth? Does anybody want the kingdom of God manifesting in their homes? Does anybody want the kingdom of God manifesting in their workplace? Does anybody want the kingdom of God manifesting in our school system? Does anybody want the kingdom of God manifesting among our youth? Does anybody want the kingdom of God manifesting in our children? Does anybody want the kingdom of God manifesting in marriages? Does anybody want the kingdom of God manifesting in our economy? Does anybody want the king? If you want the kingdom of God, then you know what that's going to stir inside of you? A violent pursuit of the king of kings and lord of lords. So we can clap and get excited and everything like that. But the reality is that there's got to be something that's waking up inside of you or else you are sleeping. Church, we got to understand the days in which we live. These are, these are definitely prophetic times. These are definitely perilous times. These are definitely last days where people are, are avoiding the truth and they're heaping up to themselves teachers who are tickling their ears. This is definitely all of those days. But listen, don't just sit back and say, well, that's supposed to happen. No, you need to get violent in your prayer, church, because you know what? There are still people who need Jesus out there. In the midst, look, none of those prophecies say people are not going to get saved. None of those prophecies say the spirit of God is not going to move. The prophecies just say that it's going to be abundantly clear that people are more into themselves than they are into God. And that's a wonderful thing because when people are more into themselves than they are into God, you know what that does? That drives that line real clear. You are either with him or you're against him. It makes it very clear. And so you know what that helps us to know? That helps us to know who is with him and who needs him. And so what we've got to do, church, is we have got to wake up to the reality. And we need to seize the kingdom now. Don't think, oh, well, it was somebody else's responsibility. You are here now. Listen, we've said, I remember being in youth ministry and us talking about, man, I wish that I lived in the days when Jesus walked on this earth. I wish I lived in the days when the apostles were there. I wish I lived in the days when the apostles, I wish all the, listen, I am glad for the days in which I live. Do you understand that God divinely selected for you to be birthed in this hour, in this generation, for a purpose in a time such as this? He wants to use you to bring radical change to the earth but it is entirely up to you you are either going to be violently committed to the kingdom of God or you are going to be passively committed to whatever because it ain't God hear me church we need to rise up the same way that these people did the first thing I want you to repeat after me say this with me seizing the kingdom will only occur when there is no other alternative these people 400 years of silence, weren't hearing the word from God. They were hearing bad translations. They were being condemned. There was just all kind of craziness going on. Realize they had something missing. John the Baptist begins to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you know what happened? That began to stir something. Jesus began to preach the same message, and the church and, and the people that were there began to awaken to the sound of God's voice. They began to realize, wait a second, this is something different. God is doing something new. We sense God drawing us. And then what happened is not everybody, because you got to get this, even in those days, not everybody recognized that this was the truth. Not everybody recognized that this was the right thing. Not everybody recognized that this was the long-awaited Messiah. If it were so, they would have never crucified and we wouldn't have salvation today. And so not everybody, but many people did. 
Because the Bible says crowds were following him. The Bible says that there were multitudes of people thronging him. There were people around him. There was one time where the woman with the issue of blood, she was coming. She touched him. And, and you know the story, the glory, I mean, I mean, the power of God came out of him. She touched the hem of his garment. And the Bible tells us that he stops in the middle of this thronging crowd and says, hold on a second. Who touched me? Because someone, he was being touched by everybody. But someone's desperation touched him. Are you going to be that desperate person, church? You want to know why? She had no other alternative. Did you hear what I just said? Oh, your Bible tells you that she had spent all of her money. She had spent all of her livelihood on doctors for 12 years. Bleeding life was just exuding her body. And for 12 years, she went to every doctor. She went to every specialist. She went everywhere. And she continued to hear the words being declared over her unclean. Unclean. Stay on that side of the street. If you come over here, I'm going to be unclean. She had no compassion from anyone, and she was the one that touched Jesus. You know why? She had no other alternative, church. You know what the issue is? We have too many alternatives. We have too many other options. That's what we think anyway. Hello. We, we, we think we have other alternatives. We think we have other options, but Jesus made it clear. There was only one way to the Father, and that is through him. No alternative, no other option. There was only one way. There was one path, and it is a path that is, that is narrow, and it is straight. It is not some crooked path that don't have some detours over here. It is a straight and narrow path, church. There is one way, and that is it. There's no real other alternative. And it's sadly, sadly, there's a whole lot of folks that are going to find out when they come before God way too late. That alternative was wrong. That wasn't a real alternative. That was a lie in the place of the truth. That is our greatest problem, church. That is our greatest issue. The greatest issue today is that we have too many alternatives. Oh, well, you know, I can do it my way. I, I, I don't have to do it my parents' way. Why, 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 why do I need to be in church all the time? Why do I need to go to every service? Hmm. I wonder. Well, I don't know because your Bible said something about the edification of the body coming from us being together. Hello, I just some somewhere in there. Something like that. Oh, well, I'm edified enough. Well, come edify us, please. Since you're so high and mighty and you're riding that Holy Ghost cloud, glory to God, bring it to us. Please come to our meetings and share the glory of God with us. Don't keep it to yourself. Mm -hmm. I know, I know that's hard. It's all right. We got to wake up. Amen. Sometimes I go to my daughter. I'm like, come on, baby, wake up. She don't move. I got to shake her. Be like, come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then that doesn't work. And I start tickling her. Glory to God. I can't come tickle you. So I'm just going to speak hard. Amen. I'm just going to shake you a little bit. <laughs> Glory to his name. Praise the name of Jesus. Oh, I, I, I don't have to do it that way. Why, 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 why do I got to get up early to pray? Hmm. I wonder why. Do you, do, 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 I mean, I, I don't know. Do you know? Do you know? And, and here, 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 I'm going to say it like this. You can do it one of two ways. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you two options on this. Options. Not alternatives. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Because it's still prayer. Just different times. It's all right. You may be a person, right? Type of person. You don't get up. You know, you're just not an early bird. You're a night owl. Okay. Night owl. Can I encourage you? Pastor Frank, I'm going to let you know, him and I are two just absolutely different folks. Pastor Frank, he'd be like, bro, I'll be up until 4 o'clock in the morning because no one's bothering. I'm like, brother, if I try to stay up to 4 o'clock in the morning, unless it's the Holy Ghost, it ain't happening. Hello. It's just not me. 
But you know what? That's the way that he is. And you know what he does? He, he, I mean, he's been here and he's preaching. You know that man is filled with the power of God. You know why? Because he's not getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning to pray, but he's staying up till 4 o'clock in the morning praying. So you know what? Early he sought the Lord. Early he sought the Lord. So what's the option? Well, you know what? If you're a night owl, don't sit up on the TV all night. Owl, hello. Turn the TV off. Go into your prayer closet. Prepare yourself for the next day that you're going to get up and hit the snooze button 95 times. Jump out the bed when you got five minutes to run into the shower. Brush your teeth. I don't even know how you did all of that correctly. But anyway, you got, you know, you just ran. You, just, you know, you like the Jetsons. Hello. Glory to God. Not to say the Jetsons. That's like so old, that cartoon. But anyway, praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The youth are like, Jetsons? What's that, Bishop? All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, anyway. But, but everybody else understood. Glory to God. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so what happens is, see, I got to let y'all laugh a little bit because it's getting rough. It's getting a little heavy, right? But if you're that night out, then you need to prepare yourself the night before for your next day. That's what you need to do. And that way when you get in your car or you sit on your bus, you know what you can do? You can throw on your iPod, put on some worship and praise. Glory to God. And just say, Lord, I thank you for last night, you and me together. And this morning, I just want to work. I just want to give you some praise this morning. And if you're the kind of person that can't stay up late because you're like me and you're falling asleep, when it gets to be like 11 o'clock, you're like, you know, getting crazy already. You know, you're getting them long blinks like Pastor Frank said. You're like, you know, just crazy. Right? Then you know what you need to do? You need to get up early. Go to bed. Get up early and seek God's face. So that way you're prepared for your day. Isn't it awesome to know that God can prepare you for what's going to happen later on? He can tell you what's going to happen. He can feel your spirit. So when the moment happens, it doesn't hit you like a blunt, just mess you all up. Hello. But you can be ready to receive, right? You can be ready to go through some stuff. Why? Because, y'all, y'all say it. They, they need deliverance, man. Look, a blunt blow, a blunt object. Y'all, y'all thought I was talking about smoking out. I was not talking about y'all. Y'all crazy, glory to God. No, y'all, y'all see, man, y'all need deliverance. Glory to God. And Pastor Aldo is over here. He's the first one. He's like bringing his head down. Pastor, Pastor, come on now. I, I, I said, he, you know, you know, you know, y'all, 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 y'all crazy, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all. I'm glad I had to clarify that for y'all. I was not talking about a blunt. I was talking about a blunt blow, something that was. Amen. You got yeah. Mm -hmm. Got to pray for all of my leaders here. Praise the Lord. From the front row to the back row, they going nuts. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Huh. Listen. The truth of the matter is, the reason you need to pray, the reason you need to seek God is so that way you are ready, church. You don't know what you're going to face. You know what's the worst thing? Let me tell you the worst thing. And it's happened to me. Stay up late, fighting because, you know, I'm not at night out. Get up late the next day. What happens? Go running through stuff. All of a sudden, I'm encountering all kinds of things. And all day long, I'm thinking, man, why did I miss prayer today? If there was ever a day that I need a prayer, it was today. That's the worst day of your life every time it happens. Why you got to go through that? You need discipline. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, but the violent take it by force. Repeat this after me. Seizing the kingdom, Seizing the kingdom. is necessary. Due to the opposition that we will face. In the book of Acts chapter 14 and verse 22, the apostle Paul 
is encouraging some of the churches that he had already established. And when he's going to there to, to encourage them, he doesn't come to them and say, hey, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be okay. That's not what he says. He doesn't go to them and say, hey, man, you know what? Don't worry about it. You know, this is just for a moment. That, that isn't what he says either. He says that he, t he encourages the church by telling them through much tribulation, we must enter the kingdom of God. In other words, this is not the easy walk. This is not the easy path. I wish I could come and tell you that things are going to get easier, but they probably won't. But you know what? The glory that is going to be revealed is not to be compared with the suffering of this present age. See, that is the encouragement. The encouragement, because you know what? Sometimes the Apostle Paul is a prime example. He was a man that had revelation after revelation of power of God in his life. And the Bible says that there was a messenger from the enemy that was given to him and that he prayed to God three times completely, totally. He cried out to God and he said, God, remove this thing from me. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient in your weakness. So you know what that means? That means every day that the Apostle Paul walked on this earth, there was this enemy that was buffeting him. There was something there that was hitting him that was a continual reminder that he was not you know, anything more special than anybody else. It was a continual reminder that he was human, that he was flesh and blood. It was a continual reminder. And you know what that means? That means that some of us are going to go through things. Sometimes our cross is going to be heavy for the rest of our days. I know you didn't want to hear that. But if you're carrying your cross, you know what happens? You enter into a glory that you never thought possible. You enter into a glory that is unspeakable, a glory that we can't even describe or understand. The Bible says that it hasn't even entered into the heart of man, the thing that God has prepared for them. There is something so awesome that is out there that the best whatever you've experienced in this earth doesn't even compare. The question is, are you living for that? The question is, are you pressing into that? You see, when you get into that prayer time, when you get into that study and that meditation of the word of God, you know what you're doing right there? You are tasting of that glory that is to come. You are partaking of that glory that is now. You are partaking of God and his greatness and his wonder. And that is the reason, church, why we should be coming to God. Not coming to God in prayer because Bishop said I should pray or someone taught a class on prayer or I heard it. So. No, no, no. We should be doing that because we are engaging with God and we are getting something out of his presence. Hello. This is what's supposed to be happening, church. And so we understand that the Apostle Paul, he communicated his encouragement was through much suffering, we are going to have to enter into the kingdom of God through much tribulation. And you know what the issue is, church? The issue is that we have enemies. Three enemies I want to give you real quick. The first enemy, the greatest enemy that you and I will ever face is our flesh. Is our flesh, period. Our flesh, not the flesh of others. Because sometimes we think other flesh is our biggest enemy. No, no, no. You are your biggest enemy. Hello, somebody. Oh, this wife you gave me. It wasn't her. It was you. This husband you gave me. It wasn't him. It was you. Your flesh. Your flesh is the issue. The greatest issue. And you know what? Here's the problem with your flesh. This, this is the problem. You can, you can do whatever you want to do, but until you repent, your flesh is still going to be your problem. Did you hear me? The solution, see, see folks, are trying to, <laughs> folks are trying to pray and rebuke flesh. Father, I rebuke. No, no, no. Repent. You got the R right. The E right. That's about it. I rebuked it. No, no, no. It's not rebuking. You got to come to an altar. 
So that way someone can lay hands on you. I believe in that. I believe in deliverance. I believe that someone can lay hands on you. Chains will break off of your life. I believe that is 100% true. But you want to know what the issue is? There are plenty of folks that I've seen come to altar call after altar call after altar call. That's the reason why I don't do it. And you know what? I want you to know this. The reason why I don't do an altar call every week is because I don't believe that you need to be dependent upon me or anybody else to bring you into the blessing of God. That's the bottom line. I do not believe you need to be dependent. You know why? Because God has filled you with the spirit. That's the reason why I will ask you to grab your neighbor's hand and pray for them. You know why? Because you, church, should be just as power as, as powerful as any leader that you know. That all depends on one thing. It is that you are seeking God. And so the reality is that we want someone to lay hands on us and deliver us, and God says, no, you need to repent first. So the way you deal with flesh, repentance. Then there is the other enemy, which is the one that is the kingdom of darkness, the devil, all of these demons and all of these things because those are still in existence and they still operate. And the Bible tells us clearly that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers, against authorities, against rulers in dark places, against all of these spiritual hosts, right? That's what the scriptures teach us. And so how do we deal with those? Well, the Bible tells us the way that we deal with those, those we resist and we rebuke. The book of James tells us, submit yourself unto God, period. Resist the devil and he will flee. That's what your Bible says. That's what my Bible says. And so the way we deal with the enemy is we gird ourselves with the armor of God. We live in the power of Christ and we execute the will of God in our lives and we bring destruction to the kingdom of darkness. That's how we do that. Those are the things that we rebuke. And then there is another enemy that is there. And this is another one that's pretty big because he feeds and this enemy feeds our flesh so much. And it is this world system, church. And how do you deal with the, word, with the world system? The book of Romans chapter 12 tells us, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so how do you rebuke that? How do you deal with that? You reject it. You become a nonconformist. Hello, somebody. But you know what? We spend more time, and this is going to hurt a lot of folks, we spend more time trying to argue with the doctrines of God than the doctrines of devils. We spend more time trying to reason our way out of why we don't have to do this and we don't have to do that. And, and we don't even question the lies that are coming out of society, church. Everything ain't true. Someone was, was talking about Fox and this and that and how corrupt they were. And I told him, I said, look, man, I said, you know, you need to stop watching this because these people are going to give you a heart attack. Because all of these people are messed up in the head. None of these people are being honest. They all have to go with their slanted views. And they're not bringing you the truth. You need to seek God's face and pray for those folks. See, the truth is, church, we need to understand these things. We need to come to the reality that I'm not going to conform to the pattern of this world. It doesn't mean that you do not live in this world. It means you live as lights shining in this world. It means you live as people who are consistently demonstrating to this world that you are not of this world, but you are of the kingdom to come. And if you want to come with me, please come and I'll show you how. That's the lifestyle we've got to live. The third thing I would like for you to repeat after me is this. Seizing the kingdom is demonstrated by the most radical behavior. When you look at these people here that, that were coming, these, these multitudes that were following Jesus, these people were going against all of the opposition. The book of Luke, chapter 16 and verse 16, it tells us that everybody was pressing into the kingdom. Everybody that, 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 everybody that was there, these people that were hearing the gospel, who were hearing the message of the kingdom, they were pressing into it. They were saying, you know what, we're not, we, we don't care that we're not going to be accepted in the synagogue anymore. We don't care that we're not going to be accepted by our family members anymore. We don't care 
care that we're not going to be accepted by the, 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 the rest of society. We don't care about any of that stuff. We care about being accepted by the God of glory. We care about pressing into the kingdom. And these people had a radical devotion. See, you've got to understand something, that when we come to the place that we have no other option, that we are unwilling to seek any other alternative, we will become relentless in the pursuit of our desire no matter what it is. When we come to that place, church, that we say, you know what, there's no other option. When we come to that place that we say, you know what, I don't even want to seek another alternative. When we come to that place, we will 100% run after whatever it is. When we decide that we want to do something, whether it's in, in education, we decide we want to do something in the professional world, we decide we want to do something in whatever area. When we truly decide that that's what it is that, that we're going to do, you know what we do? We focus on that. We get it done. I remember Sister Carla, who right now is in, in I believe, NYC or something like that, some college up there, and she's going... She's going to medical school. And Carla, you know what she would be doing? If you, and you guys probably remember this who were here. She would be at the parties that we would be having. Baron would be over there playing in the pool, having a good time. And she'd be sitting over there in the corner with her books doing what? She was violently going after getting those A's. Hello, somebody. She was devoted. She 100% wanted to be a doctor. And she said, this is what I'm going to do. And, and the only way I'm going to be able to get accepted into these schools is if I'm getting the highest scores. And so that's what she did. While everybody else was doing their thing, while everybody else was having fun, and we would come over there and mess with her. I know I would anyway. Go over there and be like, what's up, man? You know, what you doing? And, you know, trying to persuade her. And she would just, you know, she'd get a little, you know, like, like a bulldog on me, glory to God. And she'd be, you know, she'd listen to me for a moment and be like, all right, bitch, I got to study. I'm like, all right, well, glory to God. Praise the Lord. You know, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, just back away right now. But, 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 but the reality is, church. That we've got to have this same mindset. We've got to have this same mindset when it comes to the things of the kingdom. When, the, when you look up this word, what it means that they, they, they pursued it with violence, it is the word, is the Greek word, and is a word harpazo. And what that means, it sounds like the word to harpoon something. And it means to seize or to carry off by force. To seize one or to claim for oneself eagerly, to snatch away or to snatch out. And it comes from another word. It comes from this other word. And the other word means to choose. See, that's important because it's not just grabbing on or clutching to something, but it's choosing. It is making a choice. It is making a decision. And so I'll say it again because I know some of y'all are taking notes, but the word is harpazo, and it means to seize or to carry off by force. It means to seize one or to claim for oneself eagerly. It means to snatch out or to snatch away. This is what this word is saying. He's saying this is what these people were doing. These people were seizing the kingdom. They were seizing the moment. They understood, listen, man, we need what you're preaching. We need that power. We need to see change in our days, and we know that that is only found in you. And he's telling them, the only way you're going to get this is by one thing, and it is true repentance. See, because it sounds all good. I want all the power. I want all the blessing. I want all the glory, but I don't want to pay the price. I don't want to pay the price. And that price, church, is repentance. It is repentance. True repentance, true repentance is the most radical behavior known to man. Did you hear what I said? True repentance is the most radical behavior known to man. What do you mean, Bishop? When you truly repent of sin, I'll never forget being in the detention center. And I remember that, you know, this, this elderly um, group, you know, group, it was like the, elder, the elderly group in the, in the church. I don't remember what church they were from. They would come out and they would do church for us. And I was sitting in there, you know, I was like 16 years old, something like that, 17 years old. I don't remember exactly right now. And I was sitting in there and, you know, they had church. And so, I mean, obviously I wasn't going to church when I was outside. <laughs> but when I was in there, hey, I'm going to go to church, right? So I get up, you know, I did that because that's what all the Spanish kids did. 
We all went to church. Good religious boys. Mm -hmm. Get up, go to church. I was only there for one church service. They really didn't do church service like we do. They sat down with you at the tables where you ate. Elderly lady, sweet, older lady sat across from me. She's talking to me. We're having a conversation. And she's like, so what do you know about God? And, you know, she asked me all these questions. And, you know, I was like, well, I just gave her this, you know, plethora of information that I had about God because I grew up, you know, Royal Ranger. I knew all the stories and, you know, all that good stuff, right? Okay, praise the Lord. So she listened to everything I knew about God. And then she asked me, she said, so why don't you want to serve him? And I said to her, and I'm going to be very graphic, and I'm going to tell you exactly what I told her. I was respectful. You know, obviously, she was an elderly lady. I respected my elders. And I said, um, I said, well, you know, I like to get high. She's like, okay, and what else? I said, I like to have sex. She said, okay, what else? And I said, you know, I just like living how I want to live. And she was like, well, all you have to do is just say this prayer. Listen, I want to let you know I prayed that prayer. As soon as I got out of that jail, the first thing I did was I went and got a blunt, a blunt. I meant blunt there. <laughs> and everything else that I mentioned, I went and did that after saying that prayer. You want to know why? Because there was no repentance. Listen to me. The moment that I repented, the moment that I repented, and I knew that getting high was wrong, it took me one day told you all this crazy testimony. I got saved on a Friday night. High just messed up out of my face. My mother led me to Christ. Saturday morning, I wake up, call my friend up. I say, yo, man, you got to take me to Sanford. I got to go get a bag of weed. This is, I'm, I'm just being real graphic today. I told him, you're going to take me to Sanford. So we're on our way to Sanford. You know what I did all the way to Sanford? I preached to him. I preached to him about how I met Jesus Christ the night before. Listen to me. I'm not playing. And when I say preach, he was like, man, I need to go to church. He's driving me to go get this bag of weed, okay? And he's like, man, I got to go to church. And I'm going ready to get high. And I'm excited about Jesus because I met him. He just didn't deliver. The next day I went to church on Sunday, the thing that I bought, listen, I barely even understood Spanish. I doubt the pastor said anything about smoking out. And you know what happened? Because I was convicted by the Holy Spirit, the next day, Saturday, Friday I got saved. Saturday I went and I smoked. On Sunday, I obviously had some stuff left over. When I got home, I brought the pastor's sons to the house with me. I dumped it in the toilet. That was like against my religion back in the days. Hello. Straight up. I said, look, I, t I even told them. I said, look, man, this is wrong. I said, uh, we're, we're out, you know, I, the group of folks that I'll be with, they would kill me if they knew I was doing this. But I'm dumping this in the toilet in front of them. I want y'all to be my witnesses. And you know what I used to do from there on? I would sit with my friends. And it won't, it, they, only, they only lasted with me for a couple of weeks. But I would sit with my friends. They would be smoking out in the car, and I would be sitting there just preaching Jesus to them. I wasn't, I wasn't drawn to get high. Nothing like that. You want to know why, church? Because that was true repentance. And you know what? They got sick about hearing about Jesus, and they stopped calling me. Hello. Until. There's always an until. Until they had a heartbreaking moment, and tears were running down their face. Guess who they were calling? Jason, 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 can you pray for me? Uh-huh. I'm going to talk to you first. Because you want this kingdom, you need to repent. You want the blessing of God? Don't ask me to pray for you because this is not, and you know, if, if you have a Catholic background, don't mean to offend you, but this is not some priest coming to speak a blessing over you. No. This is God Almighty who requires a certain lifestyle. 
Repentance is the most radical decision. It is the most radical behavior known to man. It totally shocks everybody around you. When you truly repent of sin, I'll never forget a testimony of a young man. He told me, him and his girlfriend, they were together for all of these years, and they had been, you know, in and out of church, you know, whatever the case was. And one day she comes home. He's sitting in her apartment, and he's there on the couch weeping. And he tells her, he says, listen, we cannot live like this anymore. We cannot have sex any longer. We cannot do this anymore because I'm going to serve God. If you want to serve him, that's fine. But I'm telling you, from this day forward, you and I will not come together like this. You and I will not do these things anymore because that is not pleasing to God. Church, that is true repentance. See, there's a difference between repentance and remorse. There's a difference between repenting and regretting. See, most folks regret when they get caught. See, that's the reason why I hate it when people get caught in sin. Because you never know if they're really being real about it. Because everybody's going to cry when their bubble gets burst. Everybody's going to cry when the car gets pulled. Everybody's going to cry when everyone finds out and when they get embarrassed. Everybody's going to cry. Everybody's going to say, I'm sorry. But are you sorry for the right reasons? Are you so Did you change your mind about sin? Did you change your mind about the lifestyle? Did you change your mind about the things you were doing? Or are you just sad because of the consequences? You see, the problem with us is that, and, and this is another reason why when people are going through hardship, look, I want to lead people to Christ, but you know what? It is hard for me to go on ahead and say, do you want to accept Jesus? Because people right away are willing to say, yes, I want to accept him. But why do you want to accept him? Do you want to accept him because you want your problem fixed? Or do you want to accept him because you realize that you are going against him in all of your lifestyle? That is repentance, church. It is when we understand that God is holy. He is righteous. And he declares there are some things that are not righteous. There are some things that are not pure. There are some things that are uncool by his standards. And when we get that in our mind and we get that in our heart and it matters, that's when repentance begins. It's not about feeling bad about stuff. It's not even about the tears you cry. Because there's plenty of folks that have repented and tears didn't come out when they repented. They had an understanding that they were in sin and they were going against God. And it wasn't about consequences. It was about the fact that they realized that their life was missing something. Church, that's what we need in our lives is true repentance. That is what these people were doing. The ones that continued with him, they repented of their sin. They turned away from their ways. They hadn't got caught doing anything. They had a revelation of a holy God. They had a revelation of the wrath that was to come. They had a revelation that if they died, they're without God. That was their revelation, church. God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to know him. So my question in closing is this. Have you violently and valiantly made an alliance with Jesus Christ. Have you said, man, I do not want to be walking against God anymore. I don't want to live a double life. I don't want to fake this anymore. I want to live in freedom. I want to know him. And I don't care what it costs. I don't care who leaves me. 
I don't care what I got to stop doing. I want him. If you haven't said that, you haven't repented. And today's your opportunity. Stand to your feet, please, and bow your heads.